I just here we go, here we go. Listen, listen to this, listen to this. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Here, listen. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. Unfortunately, I am geekless today. Uh, my compadre Ryan is not with us, but in his place we have a very special interview guest, Mr. Paul Bedford, creator Woo-hoo! of the list. Sorry, sorry, was that too early? <laughs> you peaked a little early. Premature <laughs> youp. <laughs> Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> Welcome, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. And um, I don't think you're geekless at all. Like, there's two of us here. I think we're pretty geeky. You but... know, I, I, yeah, I sort of spot between, you know, writing comics and playing Battlefield 3. There's a plug. I don't need one. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right beside you, brother, with my awesome. Guinness. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Guinness-less, oh. tragically. But, uh... well, you're a bit ill, so... Yeah, that's it. Next time. Next time we meet up, I'll, I'll, I'll drink you on the table, Paul. Trust Whoa, me. Whoa, Lord, all right. You're up for it. That's it. It's Irish, Irishman in a drinking contest. Come on. <laughs> um, can I just first up say thank you very much for the astounding review of the list that uh, yourself and Ryan Geek of Oz did. I was most touched. It would have been a really awkward interview right now if you didn't like it. It would been terrible. But, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. That was that was, um, that was great. We did a little indie scene in Australia needs all help us can get and the good work you and uh, Ryan are doing is um, a great help towards it so cheers no worries at all listen that's exactly why we're here and that's what we, what we want to do we want to also city man I love that work. <laughs> it's and a like, great book like you were saying on um on the uh, on the podcast, like that just that just coming out of nowhere. I'm like, bang! Like three brilliantly presented works with you know uh, it's incredible art and story and obviously passionate creators behind it. Just out of nowhere, out of the blue. You know? I know we've we've actually got Patrick locked in for an interview as well. Oh, beautiful! Uh, yeah, yeah. So we're looking forward to talking to him too. Says nice things about my work because I just said nice things about his. <laughs> so, works, Patrick. Get it through your head, mate. <laughs> Well, we, we've all listened to me rabbit on about the list enough, but I, I really wanted to hear you, in your own words, describe what went into making this book, because, I mean, I could keep talking about it, but I'd love to hear your take. Oh, absolutely. I've got a scoop for you. All right, you ready? Go for it. Completely plagiarized. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I have, you know, you know what happened one day? The, the, the very, the, the, the impetus, the, the catalyst, or whatever you call the, the, the thing that started off the big bang for the list is stolen. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> because I was sitting down one day and my mate was writing out his shopping list, right? And he was just sort of writing things down and I sort of just playfully just started writing stuff down too and like, you know, um, you know, kill a rapist, uh, you know, murder a pedophile, um, you know, do this, do that. And and then I thought, hey, hang on, you know, what if what if a guy had like a list of stuff he had to do and then I thought, why would he do it? And that's when the angel came into it, or is he an angel, or isn't he? I don't know. I, I literally leave, don't know. I literally leave it up to the reader. Um, that's good, yeah. And it went from there. Like, I thought, oh, that's not a bad little, you know. And then I added in the whole, you know, getting it um, emblazoned on his chest in tattoos. And then I thought, well, you know, to, to represent um, self-flagellation, which is quite common in the more extreme uh, branches of religions, it could be he has to carve it off. So That's he it. suffers to, you know, like to reflect his commitment, you know. So, um, yeah, so a bit of self-mutilation never hurt. Well, it does hurt, probably. But literally, that's where it came from. Is a mate was sitting down, writing this shopping list, and I started to write down crazy shit. 
um, just for fun. And these, I said, you know, these things I've got to do. And then it sort of just started to, you know, bounce around in my noggin. And I just sat down and wrote two men sit, two men are sitting in a car in a dusty garage. They are father and son. They're covered in blood. And I sort of went from there. I really wanted to ask you about that, actually, because there was something I was reading about actors. This is an exercise actors do, where they're told to walk into a room, walk across to the door opposite them, and then walk out. And the idea is that they have to have in their head a story as to where they were coming from and where they're going to, and we as the audience can tell what they're up to. And what I was thinking about the list was the story starts with these two men sitting in a car. And obviously something's happened and we are just joining them in the middle, in the midst of the action. Yeah. You've been thrown into it. We're just thrown into it. And then we have to just try and catch up and try and figure out what's going on. And as you say, is the angel real? Is he, is he a hallucination? We don't know. And so much of it is sort of left up to your interpretation. So that's the, that that was my main draw behind it. It's like, it doesn't matter if he is or isn't. It's what you take from the story leading up to that point. Yeah. Do you have, like, written down the history of this family, this father and the son, leading up to that moment? Or is it... Look, I've got a pencil in my head. I've never really written it down. I haven't really, yeah. really seen any great necessity because my whole angle with writing a list was to try and create, literally, a waking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that's the reason that probably a lot of things aren't explained in the first two thirds because I wanted nothing to be spoon-fed, but also wanted to keep it sort of entertaining, exciting enough, and maybe a little, uh, hopefully intriguing enough for the, the reader to um, to stay on board until things begin to get revealed in the final act. And w- what I'm saying is like the themes with regards to atrocities committed in the name of blind faith, yes. um, you know, extreme religion. Uh, I didn't think any of that sort of stuff was necessary, so I didn't really go into it. Uh, I, I, well, I didn't feel the need to go in it for the, um, especially for the horror aspect, um, also for the aspect of people trying to figure out for themselves and also because what I wanted to show in the first two-thirds of the book where it's mainly the son, it's mainly his uh, point of view, yep. was to keep it tight on him because he is so focused that nothing else around him matters. Just yep. the quest, that's it. And obviously, uh, you know, hopefully that comes across in the book and any time that that's questioned or, or brought into question or he's tested, that's when his psyche uh, takes a bit of a battering, but he tries to get back on track. Yeah, that's it. That's very good. And I think I really admire that about the book as well, that you didn't dwell on what the nature of this fundamental sect is, because we're so familiar with the idea of religious violence. It's such an everyday thing for us. It's on the yeah. news every day. It's in the newspapers. It's on websites. We're so it's everywhere. So you don't really need to dwell on it. You just exactly. Need to say, think, yeah, exactly. I didn't think I needed to point it out. Yeah, no, no that was, I thought that was quite good, because otherwise it would have been quite forced, I think. Yeah, um, and Henry would have said, what, another another yeah. 100 pages to draw? Jesus. That's it, that's it, exactly. No, well done there. And um, I just I also just want to touch on the actual production of the book, because how long what, how long did it take to finish? Because you were putting it out in in uh, sort of episodes, weren't you, with um, Pop and Bonin? Yep. Yeah, I mean both those both those guys are, are very busy men, and I'm eternally grateful for them for staying yeah. on the project for what was around about five years. Mm. Um, like the, the script, as Henry will tell you, was, was changed little bits here and there. 
sometimes he'd drawn up a beautiful panel. I'd say, Henry, you don't need that anymore. And he'd be angry at me and I'd run away. But other times, like, it was, it was pretty much Henry slogging away on it. And I mean slogging away, like, he was working full-time, studying, and doing the list, which, you know, should have been his sole focus and, and sole sort of existence. Because hmm. it's pretty considerate that he'd try and have a career when I've got I need a book to come out. He's a mongrel. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it was, yeah, it, they were really, they were two years apart. Yep. Each of the, each of the, uh, each of the volumes, as I think any, you will see from most of the indie uh, creators uh, in, in Australia, is that it's a pretty big task to, to um, take on, you know, a, a book, especially of the list size, at around about 200 pages, without really knowing uh, if it's any good or not yourself. So that's why we split it the three sort of three volumes where we thought, okay, they're, they're okay cliffhangers, with the with a thought behind it that okay, we need some feedback. We need to see if it's worth drawing the other 150 pages. Mm. Uh, you know, what do the what do the critics think, uh, and what do the fans think, and should we keep going? And fortunately enough, you know, uh, feedback was was really good, and so yep. we uh, kept going. And and Henry and Tom stuck by me all the way through. And we got the bloody thing finished, which is incredible. Like a two hundred page book is it's that's <laughs> it's monstrous. But it's 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 very interesting, isn't it? Because I read this thing through a couple of times now and I just fly through it each time. Uh you yep. say it's two hundred pages, but those two hundred pages there's this urgency behind them. You just go boom. Because you need to get to the end, you need to find out where this is going, what's happening with this fellow. Why cool. is the sun yeah, that's that's no that's great storytelling, but you can capture the reader's imagination that way. Jeez, I, 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 my personal style when I'm writing a comic or or, or thinking how it should be laid out um, is that I like only a few panels per page, probably make maximum six, mm. um, maybe three or four. You, you may have noticed in the um, in the action scenes. Yeah, but it was also an intentional uh, decision with regards to the list itself because you know, I'm sort of revealing something here. But as you as you read the book, I wanted people to sort of quickly read through it. And see if they could pick up what was going on, or if they just sort of skim skim read it and then got to the end and gone, oh shit, you know, and could have mm. paid a little more attention here and there and, and maybe picked up a few clues because I actually do say on the back there there are hidden clues and you've probably seen seen in in the book itself. Um, I put them right right in front of the uh, reader's nose, so to speak. So yeah, it, it was it was an intentional decision. Probably could have been 80 pages of nine by nine, you know, three by three nine panel page grid type thing but I just don't think it really suits the surrealistic nature and and the fast type of story that I wanted it to be yeah it's interesting you say that because Ryan uh, spoke to me about the list before we recorded our last show together and yeah. his take on it was that while he was reading it he was afraid you were going to end it he was afraid of a particular ending he was afraid of this and then he, he but he kept reading because he was dreading it but he wanted <laughs> <laughs> he was hoping that you would not go that way. You'd go a different direction. And then you did it anyway. And he was like, oh, because <laughs> it, it's just this horror, you know, he was feeling as he was reading. And that's, that's great. Because once again, there's that tension building, you know, is it going to go this way? And then it did. He's like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah you, you sort of, you know, I think there's like this, there's this maxim in, in writing that says, give the people what they want, but not how they expect it. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I even, I even discussed, I remember one of the creators meets, I was sitting down with Henry Pop and I said, oh, I'm sort of struggling with the direction how I want to take the end. And we had a bit of a talk about the, the, the whole spine and, and, the, and the theme running right through it. Um, and we had a really good discussion and I came away from that, you know, really set 
on one of the two ideas. So I, I thank Mr. Pop for that because, um, you know, he really helped me out and, mm. and cleared it up. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really good to get feedback from someone who knew the story as well as I did. Probably even better because he had the draw the bastard of a thing. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, it, 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 it does go there, but hopefully it goes there in a way that people sort of don't expect. That's it. That's it. I think so. And you've all, just, just moving on. Um, you've got a great presence on social media. Uh, you're very, very accessible on Facebook and Twitter and so forth. And, uh, <laughs> I've also seen you on the convention circuit as well. And, you know, you're, you're meeting the fans and you're obviously getting a lot of direct feedback. How, how have you found it? How have you found the responses from fans? It's, 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 you know, going like, uh, the, the response has been incredible, Emmett. Like, just to, <laughs> the, the, the people for, to have people off their own bat, um, you know, firstly, a, approach a table at a stall where the creator's sitting there and, and yep. there's some natural sense of obligation to buy it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to then buy it and then go away and read it and for them to write to me their thoughts yeah. um, is just, you know, it's, it's the best thing about creating these things. That's it's it. The best, and it's probably equal best, equal favourite thing about doing conventions, equal with Mr. Pop bringing along some whiskey. <laughs> There and drink some whiskey. So that's probably, you know, I'm talking to the people and they're like, God, oh, this guy reeks of alcohol and he just won't shut up. And maybe that's why they buy the book. They just buy the book and walk away. Cause they, but it's, I think it's good to have a, have a real social media presence, especially with, uh, you know, like myself and, and a lot of the other creators in Melbourne. We're indie guys. We're doing our thing off our own bat. We just, we just love the craft. We love the scene. We love the people in it. Um, and, um, you know, to, to sit down and put so much work into something, you hopefully want to get something back. And, and with things like um, the Facebook page and, and the Twitter account and and convention presence, um, it's all, you know, it's all paying off. And obviously, yeah. like, I think it's with, like, you guys, you know, have me on your show and, um, like, the guys like Non-Canonical and, and um, Guy-Fi podcast and all that, you know, it's just all these people getting behind. Yeah. And my crazy book is, it's just, you sort of lay in bed sometimes and just go, it, it, this is, this is unbelievable. It's just, you know, I sat down and wrote this story and you get all, you get surrounded by these incredible people and, and incredible, um, clients and, um, clients. That's, that's a terrible word. Readers, clients. <laughs> what a dick. Who says clients? Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, are you soliciting, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, such a good, it's, it's such a rush, you know. It's yeah. such a rush. It, it really is good, and hopefully, um, Henry and Tom are, are, are getting, you know, as, as much out of it as I am. And I think, hopefully, you know, I think maybe they are because they've stuck with me, and they, you know, they're, they're happy to come along the conventions when they can. And you know, we're still in contact, and we're good friends. So it's, it's you know, all that, and also the great friends I've made out of it, like, you know, everyone you come across in the scene is is a lovely, lovely, down to earth, talented bunch of people. They're just amazing. Well, I actually heard of you for the first time two years ago when I interviewed Jason Franks. Oh, okay. I asked him. I asked him. What he's one of the re- nasty people. He's one of the nasty people in the scene. You don't want to, <laughs> he's one of the mongrels. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go on. No, I asked him. Okay. I asked him what books out there. What books should people be reading? And he said the list. That was the first thing he said. Champion. There you go. So, I mean, that's how word, I mean, it was word of mouth that brought me, uh, to your attention. I, I just thought, oh, okay, I'll check, the, check this book out. But, um, that was well worth it. It was a fantastic read. Yeah. Uh, I hope you've read some of, uh, 
Jason stuff, especially um. Six, oh, you mentioned Six Miss. I know you've read that. I don't know if you've read McBlack, but they're very clever. He's very good. yeah, yeah. yeah. McBlack's brilliant. It's just it's just great laugh, you know. And, uh, I, I I loved um I love it. I love a lot of his work because once again he is somebody as you say who's obviously doing it for the love, but you know, and that's oh, yeah. something I really admire about you and you Aussies and the Australian comic scene. You guys are really just doing it for love, and that's why we are running the show. We're trying to bring attention to them. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't know how many people are doing it. For the love of it, how many people are doing it just because if they stop doing it, there's no point going along to the creators' meets and drinking beer without <laughs> reason on a Saturday. You know, that's how many people talk about the craft and artwork there? I think about five percent. Around crap and anyway, anyway. Sorry. Next time, next time in Melbourne, I'll go along to it. Yeah, well, yeah, come along, man. Come along. It's, it's the first start of every month, and come along. Like I, I think Bobby N uh, estimated there was about fifty people at the last one. We're just pouring yeah. out the street now. It's unreal. <laughs> but you, you've got some great news, haven't you? You've got some uh, big news for the list. Of yeah, well, I've got some sensational news. Like, out of left field, I've been approached by well-established um, producers and directors who have, after a few weeks of negotiation and talks and that, um, have optioned the rights for the film, which is just amazing. That's, congratulations. That's brilliant. Thank you, mate. I, I'm absolutely stunned. Like, I just, you know, I, I really thought... It will either happen in a long, long time or never happen. I thought maybe once you know we, we you know churn this thing out and, and and pimp it out for a couple of years, we we might get you know we'll, we'll get some ammo behind us to then approach uh, approach um movie houses and the like or or funding. But you know that's sort of coming to left field and um you know the 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 director is Academy Award nominated from '98 for a short, so he he certainly knows his stuff and he's um he's London based and does a lot of uh. Hell of a lot of work over there. Especially in three D, um, you know, especially I was in three D and all those, those all the fancy stuff, and um, they they utterly love it. So you know, even it, you know, as as everyone knows, with options, nothing may come of it. But yeah. the fact that it's even being optioned at this stage is is pretty mind blowing. It's very impressive. And and what I like about the list uh, in terms of optioning for a film adaptation is that it could really be set in any urban environment. I mean, you could this could be an American story, this could be a British story, this could be an Australian story. So I, I know it's early days yet, but do you have a feeling that if this is to proceed, that it will be an Australian film, or will it be an international film? Do you have any idea? Uh, they are, look, and, and that was an intentional, I think you mentioned it on one of your podcasts before, that it was an in, intentional writing the story to not base it in any particular city, because I want people to relate to it and think yeah. of it in their city. The way they're speaking is that it's going to be filmed in London mm -hmm. uh, and or somewhere that they're looking for, um, maybe in Germany or, or Norway, Sweden, something like that. But they obviously want some dark and dreary city. Mm -hmm. um, and I, th I think London would be, would be a, a good place for it. Yeah, London would be fantastic because you've got it's a very modern city, but also very you've got these very crumbling old buildings. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, that, that sense of age, you know, yeah, that great. Absolutely, absolutely, and it'd go well with sort of um, the religious uh, undertones. Fantastic um, stuff. Fantastic it, it, stuff. Okay, that, that, well, that's great news about the movie. I mean, it's fantastic. I really do hope we get to see it on our screens soon. But uh, the, the question I think a lot of people want to know is: Will there be a sequel to the list? You know, when I first wrote this, I thought it was a it was a standalone, and probably even till earlier this year, I was convinced that it was a standalone work. And it was only through talking to the producer and, and director who who saw it as having possibly having sequels. And I said, look, I don't want to cash in. I don't want any sort of crap like that. Um, and to be honest, I was probably thinking 
of it of no chance being a sequel or prequel in the graphic novel format. But mm. as a screenplay, with characters fleshed out and backstory and all that sort of gear, I, I don't see why not. And a, a lot of, um, about three weeks ago, this, we were talking about it, and a lot of ideas actually haven't come up. And I, I'd really like to flesh out the angel, the brother, the girlfriend, uh, the backstory, and, I, I, and maybe even some of the, the, the father's quest thrown in there. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I, I won't do it, because I refuse to, you know, I, I refuse to do a, a Crow City of Angels type thing. <laughs> I, I refuse to insult, uh, you know, an original work and, and Henry's and Tom's hard work with, you know, a, a, just a, an absolute cash-in, yeah. But I have to say, I mean, I think, um, I mean, you mentioned uh, Barr there. I mean, The Crow, she feels like a true antecedent to what you've done here. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, and this is honest to God truth. After I'd finished the list, I'd repurchased The Crow. At the, the graphic novel, and it was only through reading it, and like it's just so hippie. It's like, can't believe the influence on this, on, on me, and on the list. I can't believe I didn't realize it sooner. That's <laughs> like, it's this, you know, it is, it is really, you know, a tone and atmosphere, and it, it you know, it, it's, it really is. But hopefully, the stories are, are far enough apart to to distinguish them. But yeah, a, a heavy influence, especially with regards to the feel of it. Yeah, well, there, there you go. I mean, the next wave of uh, writers come up will probably be using the list as a source of inspiration. So you know, poor bastards, poor bastards. <laughs> oh, that shit gone through their heads. It's not good. It's not nice. Well, before <laughs> before we wrap it up, um, I guess we we mentioned uh, some of the other members of the Australian scene. Is there anyone particular you'd like to recommend? Well, you know, when I'm asked these questions, it's it's always a bit scary because ah, uh, yeah. It's, Names spring to mind, and then you get off and you go, shit, didn't mention him, didn't mention her, didn't mention him. <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and do my best to uh, highlight my absolute favourites, which is another word I hate, but words, some of the words that resonate most with me. Sure. And I will, I will say straight off the bat that uh, Bobby ends withheld. Yep. Uh, and digested, especially digested. Mm. Uh, his oxygen story in that is something that just... You know, shakes me to the core. An incredibly powerful, understated, subtle work, which just rocks me. It's just an amazing work. Like, even if I didn't know him, you know, I'd be saying mm. these things. Even if I didn't think he was hot and sexy and all that sort of stuff, I'd still be saying all that stuff. He's an, an incredible talent. Uh, Jason Franks with his uh, Sixth Sense. Ah, uh, sorry, Six Myths. Six Myths. Yeah. Sorry, Jason. Jesus. Uh, sorry, mate. That's <laughs> that's a massive work, and you know, a very subtle. Sometimes subtle humour, sometimes hits you over the head. It's nice, nice balance. Uh, yeah. And his McBlack character has, you know, I, I think is not quite getting the attention it really deserves. Mm. Uh, I don't think I really need to give much of a plug to Tom Taylor, but I will say that uh, his Blood Ties series, Boba Fett Blood Ties, was is definitely in my top five comics of all time. Mm. Um, there's uh, Trev Wood. With his also very underrated series, uh, the time being, who he wrote with uh, Jen, um, and that's a, a, that's a real work of really clever comedy, which must be tough to do in a, in a comic format. Um, I think should be he, he, those guys should really um, they should really push it. Uh, there's also um, excellent works. Oh God! I wish I could just had it. I wish I had a list of them just sort of written down. Killer Roo, you know, obviously Killer Roo, the Soldier Legacy, um, Killer Roo by uh, Darren 
and Darren Close and um, Soldier Legus by Paul Mason are really strong uh, works, very iconic um, and great followings. You know, you've got writers all over the place. Matt Emery, um, a terrifying little little New Zealand man who has, has got a mind of utter poison and corruption and gets befouled by his ideas and his incredible works. Uh, you know, Justin Randall's Changing Ways uh, and so much of the, of the Gestalt catalogue is incredible. Like Christian Reed's works, um, I've managed just to pick up, um, The Eldritch Kid, which I hadn't, Eldritch Kid, which I haven't re- yet read. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so that's, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to get off and go, damn it, should have said him. <laughs> not because I feel like I should, you know, it's not a circle jerk thing. I just feel like there are so many, there's so much talent out there and all of it needs a really good push because it deserves it. You know, it's um, it's it's an amazing scene and I'm, I'm just so grateful to be part of it. Exactly that. And look, I think it's a fantastic list that you've just given us. You know, the writer of the list gives a list on what to read. There you go. Headline. Um, <laughs> that That's a fantastic starter list for anybody uh, getting into Australian comics because the range and breadth of talent here. Oh, Frank Candeloro. Jesus, I knew there was someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Frank, Frankie, baby. Frankie. Man, that, that man, he's, a, he's got to be the most prolific bloody creator in the scene. He, he bangs out a book every three and a half minutes, I'm sure of it. Yeah, sorry to interrupt there, Emmett. He's just got a new book now, hasn't he? He's just got. Yeah, to... oh, yeah, it's a new day. So of course he has. It's 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 gorgeous. I've seen I've seen him posing with this with this cover. It's very yeah. interesting. You yeah, know, it's, it's a it's a big work. It looks like a big work. So hopefully he's along there today because I wouldn't mind picking up a copy. Listen, Paul, mate, thanks for uh, dropping by the show. Uh, wish Ryan could have been here too to be. Yeah, that's so... a shame. It's a shame. To be intimidated by you in person? <laughs> He's a whacker. What the heck? <laughs> uh, speak to me one time. Hopefully next time we can have a good chat. That's you. it. That's it. And listen, best, to make, best of luck with everything, mate, because you've done some fantastic work. And, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching you continue, your continued rise. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emmett and, uh, and, and, and Ryan for the for, for support. And, uh, you know, and... Um, what can I say? It's uh, it, it's amazing to have all this all this uh, goodness and love behind such a, a crazy story. Folks, if you want to check out Mr. Bedford, uh, well, you can find him on Facebook. The List Graphic Novel Facebook group is fantastic, and he's very much accessible there. And where else where else should we be directing people to, Paul? Uh, all Star Comics, um, Minotaur, uh, classic comics. That's all I've got. It's a uh, and uh, of Science and Swords. Um, their four shops nice enough to have our book, and yes, the the, the list Facebook uh, is facebook.com forward slash the list graphic novel. Um, join the uh, fifteen hundred crazy bastards who are part of that. Um, yeah, but there we go, plugorama. There you go. Uh, you've been listening to Beardy and the Geek. My name is Emma Okuna. Our guest this evening was Mr. Paul Bedford, and Woo! we hope you enjoyed it. All the best, folks. Take it easy. All right, thanks, Emma. There he is. <laughs>